be said. May your deeds be done. May your glory be made manifest. Lord, help us. Help us get this job done. Even so, Lord Jesus, we bid thee come. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening, everyone. We have come to the end. And so this is our last service of Word and Spirit. And, uh, you know, I, I was looking at all the ground I want to cover. I, I can almost go a whole nother semester uh, getting in what I'm going to try to cram in here tonight. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to need some help here. Um, you know, I was looking over at my notes, what I want to communicate in the briefest, in, in the shortest uh, amount of time. I think I can fit it in three hours, <laughs> but uh, uh, we don't have that kind of time here tonight, so we're, we're just going to have to hit the ground running, so we greet you. We're so thrilled to have you here. Amen. Uh, we started this semester uh, with the topic of matters of eternity and security. If you're here for the first time, we encourage you to get on the archives because we, we looked at a whole lot of things that pertain to our salvation. Do we get in? Don't we get in? Who gets in? Who doesn't get in? Can we lose our salvation? And all those things by the Word of God. And then it led us to a most joyful, joyful, exhilarating subject, the subject of of judgment and then we saw there are three judgments we as believers all face uh, we saw the first one is our judgment at the cross and thank God that's something Jesus did for us we were judged at the cross righteous healed every blessing that heaven has to offer us because of what he did for us uh, our faith is based on that judgment and it, and so we, we passed that judgment with flying colors then we saw the second judgment is that we must judge ourselves that and this is a continual thing where judgment and cross is a past thing done once and for all judging ourselves is something we must do on a continual basis when it comes to weights when it comes to sins when it comes to running our race uh, it is God's will that we would judge or correct ourselves, but if we don't judge or correct ourselves, then he will have to correct us. And it's not because he hates us, but because he loves us, and that way we would not be condemned or judged with the world. And again, in the study, we, we looked at a whole lot of scriptures. Can a Christian lose their salvation? Oh, absolutely. There's, there's way too many witnesses in the New Testament, but we saw that God has means and measures to keep his children uh, from that happening in their life. Now, people can choose to go to hell if they want to, but God and his grace will judge someone if, if their lifestyle, their sin, their unrepentance, as a child of God goes on and on, he will eventually judge them. That way, uh, that sin is judged in the flesh, and that way they can be uh, saved, you know, be born again. When, you know, they are saved, but they can go to heaven and... Uh, you know, being glory. And so then we looked at the third judgment. Um, and so one is past, one is current all the time, and one is future, and it's the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. And we, we, we've been on that about four or five weeks, and it, it's so important. Randy Grimm, when he was here, he says, no one teaches about that. And of course, I raise my hand, I do all the time. And we, we took a lot of time looking 
at the scriptures, looking at what to expect, what's going to happen when we stand before the Lord. Now, if you heard any of these teachings, you ought to get an A on your test. Because we told you what to expect, what he's looking for, and how to pass in flying colors. And if you're a member of Family Church and you stand before Jesus and uh, you say, I didn't know the test, I didn't know I'm going to stand before you, he's going to say, eh, and he's going to play the archives over and over and over and again how many times we talked about these things. Then we finally, after the Bema seat, we looked at eternal rewards. And we saw there are rewards awaiting for us on the other side of the Bema seat. We looked at there's crowns that can be earned. We, we even taught you how to earn a crown in heaven. We looked at positions of authority. We looked at special privileges, special posts uh, in heaven, in Jesus' administration. And then we looked at special rewards. And then, of course, there's uh, a whole lot more than probably that is included in the Word of God, but uh, they're worth striving for. And we made mention of this, just like a military parade. When we have a military parade, uh, soldiers, veterans are decked up uh, with their military dress, their ranks, their pins, their medals, their awards. And really, it is a march of honor for all to see how well they serve their country. Throughout all eternity, how well we serve the Master, we will be adorned with those things. Folks in heaven will look, to, look at us and see what we're adorned with and see how well we serve the Master. Now, thank God for the grace of God. You can uh, get born again, do very little for the Master, and you get to go to heaven and wear a, a nice gown, no stripes, no pins, no, no black belts, you know, whatever the adorning is, but thank God you get in. But uh, we, we want to strive for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so we, we left off there, and we, we have thousands of years to cover tonight. Um, and so we, we got to hit the ground running. And so we're going to look at other final judgments that are happening. Again, the topic is judgments. So the church has been raptured. The church has been judged at the Bema seat. Uh, what happens after the Bema seat? After we all stand before the Lord and give account. And uh, like fire, our works pass through fire. And what remains will be rewarded. What happens after the Bema seat is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, I'm going to run uh, with a lot of these scriptures and just give you a reference just because we have so many. And this is found in the book of Revelation chapter 19, starting with verse 7. And uh, Alexa, I know that normally you don't do it, but if you can get some of these references, it might help some folks because I'm going to be going one after another. Um, it says this, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come. When does it come? Right after the beam of seat. And his wife has made himself ready, made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, white, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he said unto me, right, blessed are they that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're all called to that. And he said to me, these words are faithful in the true sayings of God. Now, what is very interesting, 
very little is mentioned, very little is said, and very little descriptions are given of the marriage supper lamb. Jesus referred to, to some of it in, in the Gospels about being invited to the supper. Here in the book of Revelation, we see it takes place after the Bema seat in order of events, but we really don't know much about it. Um, but something that is very clear here, the only way we are worthy to partake of it, how many know Jesus makes us worthy of heaven, but the only way we become worthy of becoming uh, the bride of Christ and being made ready is through the judgment of the Bema seat. When it says the bride has made herself ready, that means the bride has been judged through the Bema seat. All the wood, hay, and stubble has been burnt off of her all you know and everything that is not uh, worthy of the master is burnt away and so that's where it's talking about that the, the bride has made herself ready she she is clean it's white now we are clean by the blood of Jesus but again to partake of the marriage supper lamb this judgment must take place first now we don't know much about it but we know it's good why is it good? John has seen so much in heaven. You know, he was on the Isle of Patmos. He got the, the letters out for the seven churches. He, he, he saw the tribulation. He, he saw everything. And, you know, visions upon visions in heaven. But when he saw the marriage supper of the Lamb, he fell on his face and began to worship the angel. So evidently, it was so overwhelming of everything you saw, and he was so overcome with joy and emotion, he fell and wanted to worship God when he saw the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's why in verse 9 it says, Right, blessed are they that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And they said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Now, it doesn't say that it is, but we, we can almost assume, and I could be wrong, that the marriage supper lamb, of course, is a special ceremony, but I liken to a rewards banquet. Um, you know, many times when, when awards are awarded, then there's a banquet that is given, and so very possible. I'm not saying it's limited to that, but I, I, this, this great great banquet, uh, maybe because of all the rewards, that now the church has been judged completely, ready, there's a celebration in heaven. So, rapture, we go to the Bema seat, after the Bema seat, we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. From the rapture to the end of the marriage supper of the Lamb, is seven earth years. Seven years pass on earth. How do we know the book of Revelation, Daniel, so many things that point to the timeline. Again, when it talks about no man knows day, the day or hour, we know the season. Uh, we won't know exactly, but we know when it's near. But we do know this, that once the rapture happens, things happen on the clock. The, from, from the rapture, the Bible is very clear of a time uh, element, time frame. This is going to happen. Then three and a half years, this is going to happen. At the end of seven years, this will happen. And so once the rapture happened, it is the start, like we said before, of the day of the Lord. And so seven years have passed since the rapture. We've just finished 
the marriage supper of the Lamb. What is next? Well, let's go ahead and read Revelation 19, 11. This is what happens to us after the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and righteousness he does judge and make war. He's talking about Jesus. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him on white horses, clothed in fine uh, white linen and clean. So after we all get really, uh, we eat very well, we have a great dinner. Guess what? Jesus leads us on a procession to the stables of heaven. Now, I don't know if they're stables or not in heaven, but it is time for Jesus' second coming on the earth. Uh, you know, many people refer to the second coming at the rapture. Um, I, I prefer not to use that phrase. Uh, his, his, the rapture is his appearing because in in his, well, we, what we call his first coming after his resurrection, his first coming, he doesn't touch the earth. He meets us in the air. He calls us to himself. We looked at that in detail in other teachings. Uh, but at his second coming, he is actually going to step down on the earth. And how, how is he going to make his arrival on a white stallion? And not only is he going to be riding, but the armies of heaven riding white stallions. Who are on those stallions? You and I are on those stallions. We're part of that army of the Lord. Just, just imagine on the way up, we're changing, caught up, you know, just like that, like an elevator shaft, caught up. On the way down, we ride horses. Now, how is that going to happen? I don't know, but live and serve God and you get to watch firsthand and experience this. Don't miss it for the world. And so, what, what is going on? Seven years, great detail. We understand the tribulation. Three and a half years of tribulation. Three and a half years of great tribula tribulation. Um, the Antichrist has come into power. The false prophet, along with the Antichrist, again, uh, we just don't have time to look at all these scriptures. It, we, we could take a whole other semester looking in detail of these things. Have raised a mighty army. And have you heard about the battle of Armageddon? I know there's a movie with Bruce Willis, but that isn't it. <laughs> there's a bar. What is the battle of Arm Armageddon? It's a last day battle. People have called it World War III. So what is happening on the earth in a nutshell? Uh, and I really wish we had time. Because a lot of people uh, have said, you know, once the church is raptured out, everyone's going to go to hell, everyone's doomed. That's a big lie. There are literally countless of people that will get saved through the tribulation. Countless people. Uh, innumerable amount of people. God knows it all. Uh, knows all all of them, but to us, it's just so, so many, and I, I could show you in the book of Revelation, here's a mighty harvest, there's a mighty harvest, 
going on. And uh, it's just some uh, amazing, amazing things are going on uh, for people uh, on the earth. So there, is there hope for people that miss the rapture? Well, absolutely. Now, now there, is, there is a difference between them and you getting in. You got in uh, by accepting Jesus. You're caught up. For them to get in, they have to die. Beheaded, killed, not take the mark of the beast. You, and we, we could look at a bunch of these things in the Word of God. And so here, you know, we, we could, if we had time looking with the Antichrist and the false prophet, the mark of the beast, all that. And so... Um, the, the Antichrist and the false prophet raises a mighty army. And where are they marching to? They are marching to Jerusalem. And that is the last hold of the righteous people on the earth. The remnant that refuse to bow their knees to the Antichrist. That uh, say, no, I will not bow. I will not take the mark. And so the, the massive armies... The Antichrist have these nations under disposal, and they're marching to the battle. And we, if we had time, we could tell you the valley. We could show you pictures of where it's going to happen. It's amazing. And here, a, a, a countless number uh, uh, in the military of the Antichrist is coming against the remnant. That the, the last stronghold is in Jerusalem. They don't stand a chance. They, they are outnumbered. you got to realize a lot of the righteous were killed and beheaded. And they're caught up in heaven. And so, I mean, they, they don't stand a chance. And they're, they're just going to be obliviated by the armies of the Antichrist. When all hope is lost, guess who shows up? You know. Um. Have you ever seen the movie Thor? Remember when Al Father came in in between the frost giants and his son that was kind of being foolish? We're going to be doing that. <laughs> We're going to show up in white stallions and between just a small remnant. Here's a mighty army and glorified bodies, glorified horses with glorified weapons in between the remnant and the armies of the Antichrist. I tell you, someone ought to make a movie about this. So, this happens. So, what does the Bible say happens when this happens? Well, let's look. Let's read. Revelation 19, 19. And I saw the beast, meaning the Antichrist... And the kings of the earth, that means those that followed the Antichrist, and their armies gathered to make war against him that sat upon the horse and his army. And so we stand between them, and they're still saying, let's take them, boys. And guess what happens? Verse 20, and the beast, meaning the Antichrist, was taken. And with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which had deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, that had worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which 
let me read that again. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. So we, we beam down on these horses. The Antichrist and their armies say, we can take them, boys. And we don't even get to fight. Jesus, with the word of his mouth, takes care of it. Os la vista, baby. But we read here two judgments. And again, we're talking about judgments. We first of all read the judgment of the Antichrist and false prophet. Both of them were captured and cast alive into the lake of fire. Now, what is very interesting here, the lake of fire is the final judgment for all that are lost. Um, that is fallen angels, demons, but also human spirits. It is the final destination, the final judgment. And that final judgment really doesn't take place yet. It doesn't take place until after the millennium. But however, the Antichrist and the false prophet uh, are thrown in the lake of fire immediately. They do not get an appointment with God. They go directly to jail. They do not collect $200. And they are eternally damned after the, bar, the, the battle of Armageddon. And so, because we understand, and we're going to look at this, that, that anyone that is lost doesn't go immediately into the lake of fire until he stands before God Almighty and give account, which will happen after millennium, and we'll, we'll endeavor to get there. But the, the, they immediately will go to hell, which is like a holding center, like a county jail, until the court date, which is the great white throne room, uh, throne room of judgment. But the Antichrist and the false prophet never get a court hearing. They are thrown alive into the lake of fire. So they are the first to get thrown in to the lake of fire, which is the Bible calls the second death. But not only is the false prophet and uh, the Antichrist judged, but judgment falls on those who follow the Antichrist into battle. What happens? Jesus slays them with the word of his mouth and... Their armies are annihilated, countless millions, and their bodies become vulture food. Yes, the Bible is that graphic. The angels called all the vultures of the earth. We need them, we gather them all because there's going to be great carnage. And those who follow the Antichrist, they're judged, they, they are slain immediately. Now, where do their spirits go? Their spirits go to hell. And they will stand before God on that great day, the great white throne judgment. But however, the Antichrist and false prophet never get to experience hell. They go right to the lake of fire. Okay. So, we're landed. The Antichrist, the false prophet is judged. The armies that follow Antichrist are judged. They're in hell waiting that great judgment day. Now, at this point, 
another judgment takes place. That this one, we're going to get our pom-poms out and do rah, hooray. And it's found in Revelation 20, verses 1 through 3. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. You know, we shut him up with our authority here, but this is for good. Shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should not deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loose for a little season. So here, the Antichrist gets judged, false prophets, the armies of the Antichrist get judged, and now Satan himself gets judged. A mighty angel chains him up like a dog, throws him into the bottomless pit, puts a seal that cannot be broken, and he's down there for a thousand years. Now, the bottomless pit is different than the lake of fire. Remember the lake of fire, the Antichrist and the false prophet are there. And so when Satan is judged here, he's thrown to somewhere else. Now, the Bible, and again, this could be a whole lesson here. We'll do it real quick. The Bible speaks of five compartments of the underworld. Um, number one, there's a place called hell or Hades. That is where all lost human spirits go. People that die without Jesus Christ. That's where all the armies of the Antichrist will go. That's where people since um, Jesus uh, day and, and also before Jesus' day, the unrighteous have gone there. Like I said, it's a county jail. It's not the final destination. Many people say people rot in hell forever and ever. No, they won't. They're held in hell until the great white throne judgment. All lost spirits go there except the Antichrist and the false prophet and they await the great judgment day. Now, Something very important, and as I was studying, and I was minding my own business, uh, the Holy Ghost said this, and so you got to remind them. You have to understand, you know, hell is a place of torment. All these pl places are places of torment. How can a good God create a place like that of eternal punishment? You have to understand that hell, the five compartments of hell, were never created for man to go there. Uh, Matthew 25, 41, uh, Jesus said, and I'll say unto them on my left hand, depart from me, you cursed to everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So hell, the, the compartments of the underworld were never meant for man to go there. They were created when Satan fell, and that was to be his eternal resting place, not man, but because man sold out to, to uh, Satan, Man, the fallen spirits uh, go to hell. Uh, number two, uh, there's a place in the underworld, again, all these places are under the earth, called the Abraham bosom slash paradise. These are where the righteous spirits go before Jesus came. Abraham, 
Isaac, Jacob, the prophets, those that are faithful and serve the Lord. Uh, because without the blood of Jesus, they couldn't go to heaven and they're not worthy of hell. And so they were comforted in the underworld. We get great detail. Jesus gives us great detail in Luke 16 about the rich man Lazarus. And again, if we had time, we'd look at that. Uh, there's water there. They're comforted there. Uh, they're, they, they're fellowship there where people in hell are alone, fire, no water, in constant torment. And you can see across the chasm, which is probably the bottomless split pit in between them I'm not sure doesn't say all right but after the resurrection Jesus and after he shed his blood on the holies of holies it said that Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison and these are the spirits in Abraham's bosom he preached he says I've come the thing you believed in the thing that I promised us here and I believe that all of them said oh glory to God we accept you they get born again and they're caught up to heaven he led captivity captive the bible says and they will stay in heaven until jesus comes in the rapture because they'll come they'll come with jesus in the rapture they will get their glorified bodies first we looked at that and uh, there's amazing things um, about that they get their new bodies first then we get our new bodies then we're caught up to be with the lord abraham's bosom or paradise is empty today no longer in use there's a sign on it so all right three now why we're covering this to tell the different departments of health but these these are judgment places there th third uh, area is a place called tartarus tartarus is a special prison just for fallen angels we read this in 2 Peter 2.4 in Jude 6. Jude refers to it everlasting chains under darkness. Peter calls them chains of darkness. Oh, we know it's part of the underworld. No human spirits have gone there. But angels that fell are chained. And it's dark there. And they're chained until the great day of their judgment. Four. There's a part called the abyss or the bottomless pit. Again, another satanic prison. We just read that Satan will be bound there for a thousand years. And uh, I wish we had time. There's also other fallen creatures there. Because when it's opened up, all the stuff comes out of it that's been there for a long time before Adam's day. And so, um, very, very interesting. The Bible is sci-fi. That's why I like sci-fi. I mean... <laughs> This, this stuff is amazing. And the fifth compartment of the underworld is the lake of fire. That's where the false prophet, that's where the Antichrist went. Uh, it is called the second death. It is the, it is the final destination of all lost spirits, all fallen spirits, angels, demons, and human spirits. That, that, that folks outside the kingdom, outside of Christ... Fallen angels, demons, everybody, that is the final resting place for all eternity. You don't want to go there. And it's called the second death. Internally separated forever and ever under torment. And so these things ought to make evangelists out of us all. So we come down. Judgment to the Antichrist, the armies 
Satan is bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Then we read of another judgment that happens at that time. So when, when Jesus comes down, there's a whole lot of judgments going on. Revelation 24, after Satan is bound. Revelation 24, and I saw thrones, positions of authority, and they that sat upon them. And judgment was given to them, mean authority to rule and to reign was given to them. And, so here we see places of authority given, assignments given, and something else. Two different things. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which have not worshipped the beast neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their heads, nor on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Two judgments here. Number one, positions of authority are established in the earth for the millennium kingdom. We remember we talked about that, that there are positions of authority. Uh, Jesus referred to it. You've been faithful over a few things be ruler over six, you know, five cities, ten cities, and so forth. And so thrones means positions, and judgment means authority. And so when Jesus comes down, those who earn places of authority will be given their commission in the earth. Where are they going to serve? Where are they going to rule in the earth? Under Jesus' administration. These things were earned at the Bema seat. But also... After these assignments, the faithful that were killed in the tribulation receive a judgment. What is their judgment? Well, it says, I saw the souls of them beheaded for the witness of Jesus and the word of God that have not worshipped the beast, neither the image, or received the mark upon their foreheads or their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And so these, these spirits that died under the Antichrist reign because they wouldn't bow their knees. They, they, they wouldn't betray God. Um, they are deemed worthy and righteous. And uh, they get to rule and reign with Jesus in his thousand-year reign. But it's different than the church. And I really, 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 I, I just don't have time that... In the millennium, there, there, there is four classes of folk going on. Number one, you have the church ruling and reigning. Number two, you have Israel ruling and reigning. And three, you have these folks in the mix. And four, you have people that are on the earth after the battle of Armageddon on the earth. And it's fascinating on how it all works. But I just don't have time. Fascinating. But we know it's best. You know, and, and uh, there, there, there are positions for Israel, but there are positions for the church. 
And many believe that the church will rule over Israel. I don't know how that works. I'm just going to stick around to find out. And the, these folks that because they did not bow their knees to Antichrist, Jesus deemed them worthy to reign with them. And then at this time, they get their glorified bodies. Now remember, we're ruling reign. We've, we've had them for seven years in heaven. We were in the battle. We're, we're assigned positions and giving our marching orders. We have, we've had our, our, our glorified bodies at this point. They received their glorified bodies, the ones that were beheaded. How do we know this? The following verses tell us. And the rest of the dead lived not again till a thousand years were finished. And he calls it the first resurrection. What is resurrection coming alive from the dead? Blessed and holy, he has part in the first resurrection. And notice this, the second death has no power. They shall put priests into God and Christ. They shall rule and reign with him a thousand years. See, you're going to need a glorified body to do all that. Rule and reign. And so here, they didn't get in the first batch like we did. But they were faithful during tribulation. Jesus said, come. And they're welcomed and they, they get to play catch up with us. See, there is hope. Now, don't be dumb. Don't be foolish that, well, I will just die. No, no, you want to be in the first number when Jesus comes. Because it will be hell on earth. You, you take the worst sci-fi Terminator movie, multiply that by 10, that's what's going to be happening on the earth. All right. Now, we read of another judgment. There's a whole lot of judgments going on. Hence, the study of judgments. Now, after the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan is judged. There's positions of authority by the church. The people that were beheaded, they were judged worthy. And they, they, they come into the, the fold, so to speak. Now... The Lord Jesus Christ is going to judge the remaining people that are on the earth that lived during the battle of Armageddon and survived it. They didn't march in the army, but they're alive on the earth. Now it's their turn. No one escapes judgment. It's better to be on the good side of it. Okay? Now we read about this in great detail from the gospel of Matthew if you can put Matthew 24 3 up and this is fascinating In verse 3 as he sat upon meaning Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives the disciples came to him privately saying tell us when shall these things be what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world Jesus had just told him, told them the temple's going to be destroyed. And, you know, they're, huh, huh? And Jesus is, is telling them about the future and privately said, privately the disciples asked Jesus three questions. Number one, it says, when shall these things be? Mean, when is the temple going to be destroyed? 
Number two, what is the signs of your second coming? And number three, how is the world going to end? So the disciples asked Jesus three questions. Can you believe Jesus answers all three questions? And that's why we have chapter 24 and chapter 25. Chapter 24 and chapter 25 is Jesus answering those three questions. Now, we are going to skip the signs of the time. And we're going to skip about the tribulation. Because we're kind of focusing more on judgment. All right. So we're going to pick up what Jesus said about his coming and look at the end of the world here. In that section, we see judgments that are going on in the earth after Jesus steps down into Jerusalem with his armies. All right. Matthew 24, 29. So several verses talk about the tribulation and signs of the times. Now get this. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. What are you talking about? The tribulation, the Antichrist, all that stuff. He says, after the tribulation, in those days the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of the earth shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, when they shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven with power and great glory. What is that? That is Him coming with us to Jerusalem. Everybody sees it. I'm sure if CNN can even hold off to the end, they will see it. I don't know if they will see it. Everyone will see it in the air or because of internet and, and, and so forth, everyone will see it. So what is it talking about? It's talking about his second coming with us. We just covered that. Now, now we get into some interesting stuff. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to another. Now learn a parable of the fig tree when its branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know the summer is nigh. So we come down, we saw all the other judgments, Satan and Antichrist, but also when Jesus ascends into Jerusalem, you got to understand there, there are Jewish people scattered throughout the whole world. You do realize not all Jews live in Jerusalem. Just go to New York City. Yeah, all over the world. Go to Toronto. All over the world, there's Jews. When Jesus lands after all these judgments, it is the Jewish nation's time for judgment. And so, angels are dispatched and grab every Jew in the world and they will appear before the Lord Jesus Christ we all have an appearing before the Lord as his children they have an appearing as his covenant nation they will face the judgment of the Messiah the God of Abraham 
Now, I'm going to be very sweet. I, I can't tell you how many people try to take what is written in Matthew 24 and 25 and apply it to the church. It has nothing to do with the church. The rapture's already taken place. The marriage supper of the Lamb taken place. Jesus has come for a second coming. The church has already been out of the picture. And yet people try to tie what is written in these verses. Church, no, he's talking about the Jews. And again, we, we've, we've hit this over and over again. The, when Jesus was on the earth, they had no idea of the church age. Even when Jesus rose again from the dead, they said, at this time, will you restore the kingdom? Will you set up the millennium? They had no idea of the church age. The teachings in Matthew 24 and 25 have nothing to do with the church. We drilled you with, with 1 Corinthians 10, 32, give no offense to the Jew, Gentile, church of God. Who is Jesus addressing in Matthew 24 and 25? The Jews. He's answering uh, his disciples' Jewish questions. All right. Now, how do we know he's talking to the elect? To the Jews, the, to the Jews, they are the elect. They don't, they don't believe in the church. You, to the Jews, we're still a bunch of Gentiles. They, they, they won't even say the name of Jesus. But verse 32 proves that he's talking about Israel. He says, now learn the parable of the fig tree. The fig tree is always a sign, a symbol of Israel. And so he's talking to you, he's asking them, and this is after his second coming. And so, after the tribulation, the Jewish judgment happens. It has nothing to do with the rapture of the church. It has nothing to do with the ten virgins. I apologize if you believe that. When it talks about the parable of the talents. And I, I just don't have time. I, I take you here. He, he, he's, the parable of the talents and the ten virgins, that happens after the rapture. It happens after the second coming. It happens when all Jews are present before their Messiah. Then he tells the Jewish judgment is like the parable of ten talents. They that were faithful with five they get rewarded five. The two, now don't get me wrong, you can learn things. I teach, there's principles we can learn, but it has nothing to do with the church. It does, we do understand how Jesus looks at things and judges faithfulness. So the parable of the talents is not the church, it is the Jews standing before the Messiah after uh, the tribulation, standing in, before the millennial reign of Christ. Then the ten virgins, the same thing. Their Lord cometh. The angels gather them and they're going to stand. There's going to be foolish Jews, like the five foolish virgins. And there'll be uh, wise Jews as the five wise ladies. You know, people have used that as the rapture church. It has nothing in the world to do with the church. Again, there's principles we can learn. We all ought to be ready for our master, but this judgment is not the church's judgment. It is the Jewish judgment. All right. So, the Jews are judged like the, the, the parable of the talents. 
And remember the one that hid his master's talent? Outer darkness, that is a Jewish judgment. The five that were wise, five foolish, outer darkness, that's Jews, not the church. So, Jesus, we're ruling ring, we have our positions. Angels bring all the Jews, and they're judged based on Matthew 24 and 25. Parable of the talents, the ten virgins. And just when you think, there's, a, there's just too much judgment going on. There's another one. The Bible says the Jew first, then to the Greek. Now the Gentile nations will be judged. He judges his people first. Even in the church age, judgment must first come to what? The house of God. Here, before he, he can judge any nation, he judges his own covenant nation. And then we're going to blow some more religious wrong thinking out of the water. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man is come in his glory, he's talking about the second coming, when he establishes his headquarters in Jerusalem, and his all, all his holy angels with him, and he shall sit on his throne of glory in Jerusalem. And before him shall be gathered all the nations. The Jews were gathered, they were judged. And now all the nations are gathered. That means everyone that's left are going to be gathered, probably the same way like the angels, you know. Um, all the nations will be gathered. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set his sheep on the right hand and his goats on the left. Have you ever heard anyone talking about the church like this? This is what it's going to be like. I don't know if I could just lay hands on people to impart this. The parable of the talents, the ten virgins, Jewish judgment. This, it's very clear, it's a nation's judgment. It's the Greek, it's the Gentile nations that, that are left, that survived the battle of Armageddon. After judging Jews, the remnant of the nations are judged. And he tells us exactly. He tells us exactly how he's going to judge the Jews. And now he tells us exactly how he's going to judge the nations. Verse 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, as much as you've done, at least of these my brethren, you have done unto me. So, he's going to separate the nations as sheep and goats. And what is a judgment? As much as you've done, at least of these my brethren. Now again, in context, he's talking about Jews. You know how Jew, Jewish nations will be judged? Is how they treated Israel. That's why it's very important our nation treat Israel. Now, again, this could be broadened. This could be broadened to Christians. But I'm going to, in context, it's talking about Israel. Because the, the Jewish audience had no understanding of the church age. And Jesus knew that. And so the nations will be judged. Especially during the tribulation. Israel is a defining, defi deciding factor. You're either for or against. You're either with the Antichrist or with Israel. 
I mean, it's the defining line. And their judgment is this is, did you side with Israel? Were you kind to Israel? Did you help Israel? Did you help my people out? Or were you against my people? And they will be judged accordingly. They, the nations that were kind to Israel and help Israel, they get to stay. The nations that weren't kind to Israel, he said, depart from me to everlasting. They are judged and they're not allowed to stay. Yes. How do we know that? Verse 46. And these shall go away into what? Everlasting punishment. So here we have a separation. Now every single person has been judged. And again, this is that one group. The nations that survived were kind of Israel. They get to stay on the earth. They don't get glorified bodies. Only those that were beheaded get glorified bodies. These weren't even born again. These people aren't born again. They didn't accept Christ. They were just kind. They, and they get to stay because they were kind to Israel. How merciful is the great God Jehovah. Now get this. How many will give me a little extra time here tonight? Because we've got to get to the end of the world. And all these things are laid out clearly in the Bible. So these people that get to stay will, will be living during the millennial reign of Christ. We have glorified bodies. Those that were beheaded have glorified bodies. The Jews that pass judgment, there, there's no mention of them getting glorified bodies. They can or can't, it doesn't say. But we know these people do not get glorified bodies. They still will have natural bodies living on the earth during the millennial reign. Imagine that. Here, you're Superman. And, and they, they have just a normal body. Pretty cool. You always want to be Superman. This is your chance. Now, I would love to take several sessions and talk about the millennium. The conditions of the millennium. Look at chapter and verse. It is amazing. But I'm just going to quickly read just a, a general overview what's what the millennium is going to be like, the conditions on the earth. Christ's millennial reign will be characterized by universal justice and righteousness because he rules with a rod of iron. He is the dictator of all the earth, and we're thrilled about it. Righteous and just is his judgments. Two, the earth will be under the righteous discipline of King Jesus, and all those who disobey will be disciplined. Yeah. People, these people that God is good to and let them stay, they still will get ideas, even when Satan is in prison, to say, no, nah, I'm not going to serve you. And I could take you to scriptures. I could take you to the Psalms and prophecy where, where rain will be held from the land unless they, 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 they do right. And can you, you see human nature. And you can't blame the devil. 
Yeah. Would you like to sometimes study all that? Wouldn't that be fun? Three, there will be peace among all nations during the reign. How many know Jesus doesn't put up with fighting? Yeah. Four, there shall be happiness and joy in his kingdom. That's the kingdom of God not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's how his kingdom operates. In, the, in Christ's kingdom, the people of the nation of Israel will enjoy long health, uh, enjoy health and longevity, but also the other remnants as well. I, I got some of these references. Um, I, I wish we had time. It, it talks about a child will die early at 100 years old. You know, to us, that means, wow, someone lives 100 days. It says, no, that, that, that someone dies young at 100 during the millennium, yet people will still die that have natural bodies. Israel and the remnants, but they will enjoy health because the curse is lifted. Of course, um, you know, seven, under Christ's reign, the earth will be free from the curse. With the removal of the curse, wild animals will lose their ferocity. Remember, the lion shall lay down with the lamb, the wolf. That is all talking about the millennium. So during the millennium, yes, you can have a pet tiger, a pet lion, whatever suits your fancy. You, you can go up to the line, oh, you big kitty, 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 kitty. Give us. It, it's going to be amazing. And, and, and people, these people will live in paradise, and yet still some will rebel. All right. I know we're going to go a little long, but can we at least get to the end? All right. So this. We're ruling and reigning glorified bodies. We're given our commission. There's these four classes of people on the earth under the rule and reign of Jesus. A thousand years of Jesus ruling on the earth. It's the seventh day. You know, one day's a thousand years, a thousand years. At the end of the millennium, it's the end of the day of the Lord. What happens? Let's read. Revelation 27 through 9. And when the thousand years are expired, the millennium, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. What prison? The bottomless pit. And he shall go out to deceive the nations which are on the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog. They got in trouble the first time. They got in trouble the second time. And to gather together to battle, the number of them, the sand, the sea. Stop. Without the curse, people live a whole long time. And if, if people live hundreds and hundreds of years, how many of you have lots of babies? And especially, you know, uh, a child will die at 100, you know, they can still die, but, uh, um, you know, through an accident or something, I, I don't know how that works. But, you know, you live hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, there's a whole, the whole earth gets repopulated with these, these people, the Jews and the, the Gentiles that are still on the earth. Satan is released. And there's always been rumblings in the groups. We see it in Scripture. 
Don't understand it. But yeah, we can understand it. I, can, I see that, Lord. How many know there, there's Christians right now grumbling at their churches? Yeah. Grumbling at their pastor? Right. You know, they just grumble about this. They complain about this. And here, here they're born again. And these people aren't born again. They always got, there's some people just got to complain about everything. Yeah. And so Satan's released. And he deceives the grumblers, the complainers. Those that, that were obedient but not willing. And he convinces them, let's overthrow Jesus. This, remember, Three strikes, you're out. He tried it one time, bam. He tried another time in the garden, uh, the, the battle of Armageddon, bam. This is his third strike, trying to overthrow God. You're talking about dense. <laughs> to gather them together to battle the number of the sand and the sea. And when they came on the breath of the earth, compass. Uh, the camp of the saints round about, which is headquartered in Jerusalem, the beloved city, the first time Jesus annihilates them with the word of the mouth in the battle of Armageddon. This time, fire comes down. This time, God takes care of it. Fire comes down from heaven and devours them. This is very interesting. Folks that can be under such goodness, such prosperity, such paradise, still will choose to be deceived. Now, the million dollar question, are all of them deceived? Or just part of them are deceived? Guess what? The Bible doesn't tell us. We're just going to have to wait this one out. You, you know, it, it just doesn't say. It says he was able to deceive the nations, you know. But we do know this, in the battle of Armageddon, not everyone went to battle. And they, other people judged as righteous who did not take the mark of the beast. Let's, let's hope people have enough sense to say, no, uh-uh, I'm serving Jesus. I mean, I have a glorified body, but I'm sticking with him. All right. Now, strike three, Satan's final judgment. I'm fixing to close part one. Revelation 2010. After he tried to deceive the nations, they were annihilated. The devil that deceived them was cast into a lake of fire and brimstone. Where the beasts and false prophets are, are, prophet are, they've been there for a thousand years, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I like to quote this verse to the devil. I quote where I'm going. I quote where he's going. He thinks that I have a problem. He's the one's got a problem. Even if I check out of here, I, I got eternity of. Love, joy, peace, happiness, health, and strength. And you will have a turning, a burning and turning and churning. You're going to, you know, just tormented day, night, forever and ever. You know, I'd be worried about that. So Satan receives his final judgment. 
And after Satan receives his final judgment, the rest of lost, fallen spirits will receive their judgment after the millennium. And this is called the great white throne judgment. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne. And him who sat upon it. Who is that? That's God Almighty, not Jesus. Jesus sits at the Bema seat, judges the church. God sits at the great white throne judgment and judges his creation that rejected Jesus. Of whom the face of the earth, uh, of earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place from them. And I saw the dead, that means the spiritual dead, both small and great, stand before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened of the book of life. And the dead, meaning spiritual dead, that were in hell, were judged out of those things that were written in those books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead. That means all the compartments on the world, wherever lost spirits are, will stand and gather before God Almighty. And they were all, everyone, judged according to their works. Verse 14, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death, who is found in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. This is the final resting place for all lost human spirits, all demons, all fallen angels, and it gives a timeline that every person has been given an opportunity to accept Jesus. And in their lifetime, they reject him. They reject him. And they will go to hell and await their judgment day. And that judgment day, they don't stand before Jesus. They stand before God, their creator. And will give account. Their deeds were written down. And a book will be opened, the Lamb's Book of Life. And their name will be found. And then they will be cast in, just like Satan, forever and ever into the lake of fire. At this point, all judgments are finished. No more judgments will go on. Now at this point, and again, this ought to make an evangelist. This, this, these things are true. People that are lost will end up in eternity in the lake of fire. But after all judgments are done, the Bible talks about after judgment comes mercy. After judgment comes blessing. All the judgments are done. We read that God gets his heart's desire fulfilled. After he deals with Satan, the human race, and so forth. Revelation 22, verses 4 through 5. And I, I wish we had time to look at it. But this is just kind of a good closing. And they shall see his face. And his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there, no need of candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God give them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. That's our happily ever after. But what happens here, and again, because of time, I, 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 don't, 
I don't have time. I can't go into detail. Up to this time, no man has seen the face of God. Remember when Brother Hagin was caught up to heaven? And Jesus said, you're worthy to look on my face. And he went to go look at God's face. Couldn't see God's face. The Bible says no man can see the face of God and live. You can't behold it. People, people in heaven have not seen God's face. But after all the judgments, God, God always wanted a family. And because of sin and, and everything come, that, that there, there was no of his heart's desire for intimacy. After all the judgments, the, the, the heavens and earth are burnt away. A new heaven and new earth. Heaven comes down to earth, they become one. And the Bible is very clear, God walks among them. Just like now in heaven, Jesus, people can come up to Jesus, and look on his face, and, and, and hold his hands and, and beheld the similitude. But they can't do that with God. They just know he's there. But God's, after all the judgment is done, God's heart desire, he says, I'm going to be among them. And this is where he says, I'm going to wipe away every tear from their eye. I'm going to be their God. There's no need of light for, for God and the sun shall be light. It's, it talks about God walking amongst men. Beholding his, his similitude. Being able to, to, to look God face to face. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Why are you thrilled? But again, we did it. We covered over a thousand years tonight. But the Bible says the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared. I tell you, there's a job to get done. We got to get this job done. Eternal destinies are at stake. Sometimes there's sacrifices we have to make. And oh, they're so hard. They're not worthy to compare to that which shall be revealed. That in the Bible says the ages to come. God's going to amaze us. We'll never get bored of it. We'll, we'll never say, oh, well, after a million years, I'm just so bored of God. I want to do something else. No. Even as the angels that surround the throne calling holy, 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 they've been doing it for all eternity. And every time they circle the throne, they see a new aspect of God. That God, in the same way, throughout all eternity, is going to amaze us. Brothers and sisters, don't miss it. For the world. Amen. Were you helped? Were you blessed? Amen. Thank you, my master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my master. Hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lord Jesus.